good Lord to be here. Sometimes it's very helpful if we slow down and do our best to try to picture the scene of these biblical accounts of the history of God's work and His presence in this world and in the lives of those before us. It's good, Lord, to be here. Indeed, at this point in Jesus' ministry, God gives these disciples something for them to hold on to because things were changing. On this, the, the Sunday before we begin our Lenten journey to the cross and the tomb and ultimately to the resurrection, each time, this Sunday before Lent, we have the transfiguration of our Lord. See, Jesus at this point is beginning to reveal to uh, the disciples that he would have to go to Jerusalem. There he would suffer. There he would die. And This wasn't on the disciples' radar. It didn't align with what they were expecting. They saw the Messiah as the one who would be ushering in the kingdom of God, the one who would come to redeem them, save them. And yes, many of them were still struggling with whether this was an eternal thing or whether it was a temporal thing, but this didn't seem to be on their radar. And God gives them something to hold on to. Jesus has been revealing what's going on or what's going to be going on. And here uh, we have in Matthew 16, the chapter before, Peter says when he's revealing this, Never, Lord, will you go and you suffer in that way. And remember what Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. What's amazing is this is also the same chapter where Peter, again, is the one who speaks up when Jesus asks, Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God. He had it right. But now Jesus, again, is telling them that he must go, he must suffer, he must die. This isn't what they expected. And so in the midst of that struggle, God gives them something to hold on to. He comes down in his glory onto that mountain. And he reveals Jesus as both man and and God. And we hear that voice from the clouds say, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. In the midst of the disciples' fear, in the midst of their confusion of what is going on, God comes to them and he shows up to remove their doubt and their fear. Now, the truth is, these disciples, they don't fully get it at this point, but we do know that later on they do. 
We find that both in 2 Peter chapter 1 where we hear these words, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the glory, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. And we have the prophetic message confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a light shining in a dark place. By the way, these words that we read from Scripture are not words that were written just for the people at that moment in time. They are words for us as well. That we would do well to listen to these words as light shining into a dark place. And it is present. Clearly, Peter received something here to hold on to, but it took him a while to grasp it. He's a little thick-skulled. He, he certainly struggled with this, but we ultimately know that he came to believe this. But I'd like us to dig a little further into this reading today. Many of us who gather here are history buffs. It's pretty evident by the different history clubs in the villages. It's evident sometimes when I go into homes and I see the books that people are reading. You know, I hear about some of the places people go. Those of us who are history buffs, we enjoy going to the sites where those moments, those events in history occurred. I know I'm one of those. But, uh, you know, some of the ones I've been to, World War II Memorial, Vietnam Memorial, Faneuil Hall in Boston. Um, and I started listing all of these American ones, and then I'm like, where else, James? How about Golgotha? The importance of these places is how they help us to remember, to recall those great moments in time. At Gettysburg, President Lincoln pointed out wrongly at that moment, but this is what he pointed out. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but I can never forget what they, the men who fought and died in this battle, did here. Remembering is a wonderful way for us to make history come alive for us. It's also a great way for us to remember history and learn from it. So it's natural for us to commemorate special events with, you know, building monuments and memorials. Well, now you're wondering, why did I run off on this rabbit trail? But it's not. Today's gospel has something to say about putting up memorials, monuments, Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, they went up on that mountain. And Peter, known for his foot-and-mouth disease, he speaks up, Lord, 
It's so good to be here. Let me build three monuments, three booths, three tents for you, Elijah, Moses. Wow. We are to take from this, my friends, that Jesus here is revealed as the Son of God. Moses being there, he, he is to be representative of the law. And the prophets is represented by Elijah, and God the Father, he testifies as his voice speaks, this is my Son. Here, my friends, is an amazing moment in history on top of a mountain. What a great place for a monument. But did you see what happened? Peter wants to commemorate it again with those tents. To the average reader, it seems like, well, you know, not a bad idea, but kind of strange. I mean, you're there before the presence of God. And even Luke, when he records the transfiguration, talks about how he didn't know what he was saying. Well, you ever found yourself surprised with something you're suddenly before and experiencing, and suddenly you're just saying something that kind of doesn't really make sense, but you're so nervous, so overwhelmed, so excited, you just say it? So it makes sense to me, at least from a human perspective, of what he said. But what Peter actually is proposing is erecting monuments to the three of them to mark this spot and this moment in history. In a way, Peter not only wants to capture the moment, but the actors. But Jesus has something else in mind when he tells his disciples not to tell anyone about the transfiguration until he has been raised from the dead. In other words, Jesus doesn't want to be kept in some shrine as a distant, inspiring memory. The implication of his statement to the disciples is, don't tell anyone about this now, but after I've been raised from the dead, tell people about it so all will know who I am and what you saw and heard here. In plain words, Jesus doesn't want to be limited to you know, being in a museum of religious history. He doesn't want us to limit him for less than what he truly came to accomplish. He's not just some relic in a moment of history. No. The message of the transfiguration is that this my friends, is it. This is He. Jesus is the One. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is real. This message is true. He came to give life and enable us to share in His life-giving love and His victory over death. And this we can't keep locked up in a monument or in a museum. We have to tell everyone, we have to share Christ's love. Um, so you've probably been thinking, well, 
I see the title, now where does it come in? And as I draw your attention to it, now you're getting a little nervous. But I want you to relax. Responding with time, talents, and treasures is not a have to. It's a get to. It's a response. Today, yes, it's our you know, final week of our stewarding emphasis. Stewardship is about us being managers of all that God has given us. Our time. Every moment of it. Our, our treasures, our resources. The bounty of them. Even from the poorest of us. And our talents. And all of us have been given them. My friends, all of this come from God himself. Yet too often we somehow have come to believe that they are only for our own benefit, our own desires. We forget that we were put by God in family, in community, for the blessing and benefit of one another. And by the way, no, I'm not talking socialism. I'm talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves. These talents, these gifts, everything God has given us, they, my friends, are about life. You know, I, I heard this my whole childhood growing up. Pastor Bozalski always did stewardship, you know, teaching and emphasis at least once a year, but it would slip in regularly into his sermons. But I don't think I really got it until I was living in Tallahassee. You know, kind of coming of own as a young man, you know, career, house, wife. I don't think I ever worked less than 50, 55 hours a week for Allstate. I loved what I did. But it was what else I did that gave my life greater meaning, greater understanding. Going to church was only a part of what we did. It was how we served, how we lived. Weekly Bible study groups with the group of couples that we met with for seven years, a group of men we met with every Friday morning all seven years we lived there, and I have since that time we moved there in 1989. But it was at Allstate that it helped me to see that these things that we do as Christians are more about being than doing. When my employees at you know, I worked with, and whether it was through hurricanes and crises, and we would work, you know, into the evening because that's what we were assigned and needed to do, and we would work Saturdays and we'd work Sundays. But they knew on the nights I had my Bible study or a night I had some other commitment of teaching and training other people to do small groups, they knew I would be going. And they came to believe that I didn't just say I was a Christian, but this is who I was. And they began to approach me with questions 
outside of the realm of insurance. My time, my talents, and my resources. It was there I also learned uh, to be a tither. A lot of that came through my wife. But recognizing that all that we had was his in the first place. Friends, it's about us serving and fulfilling the purpose God has put us here for. To honor him and to further his kingdom. To go and to make disciples. To share his love and life through our lives, our gifts, and all that we have. To be his light and his messengers of hope in this dark world. To people who have no hope. Transfiguration confirms who he is and his purpose. It's about our response in God's command to listen to him, to be his presence, to come alongside of others and to love them and love them and love them. Notice, never does Jesus say as long as you agree with them. To love. So please listen. What is all of this that we do really about? In the nutshell, my friends, it is about fighting for and striving for souls. Period. It's not about our happiness. Not about our contentment. It's about more souls. It's about the kingdom of God being near. It's about us being vessels of those who have already experienced and daily continue to experience His love and His provision in every way that we would reach out and share that message. I once said... uh, in a devotion I led to the Sumter Ministerial Association a number of years ago, that our goal should be to make Sumter County the hardest place to go to hell from. And you know that should still ring true in this place as well. I read recently that... um, the Israeli army, after boot camp, you know, all their young people are required is it two years of service, required service. But when they're done, the first thing that they do is they take them around to the various communities. They get to know the people. They get to know the culture. They get to even know the various religions and how they are lived there. And one of the commanders was asked, why do you do this? And he said, because far too many Armies and soldiers go to war not knowing what they are fighting for. Amazing Grace, I want you to know what your gifts and your time and your treasures are for. They are for fighting for to keep people out of hell and lead them into the presence of the one who is the Lord of life, 
the one who suffered, died, and was raised again, that they could be forgiven and have victory over Satan's sin and death. And God, by all that he has given to you and me, has equipped us to tell your story, to tell history, to tell his story, that they too might experience Christ's love. May our Lord continue to bountifully bless us as we respond, sharing that love, that others too may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen.